Welcome everybody to episode 64 of Dorchains. Um, and this week I am joined by a wonderful guest, um, Joel, Joel Beal. Joel, do you want to kind of introduce yourself a little bit? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm uh, Joel Bille, is how we pronounce it in Sweden. I'm uh, from Gothenburg, Swedish West Coast. Um, been uh, composing for video games for a few years now, actually. I'm slowly starting to gain some confidence in calling myself a composer. <laughs> uh, currently, we're working on my seventh, like, proper game. Oh, wow. Uh, sorry? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> So what was, uh, your, um, what was the first game that you did? Uh, the first game I did was actually a student project at my older brother's uh, university who was studying game design in Skövde in Sweden, uh, uh, which actually just came out on the Switch a few weeks ago. So oh. they've been working on developing that. And, uh, so, so that was the start, yeah. And from there I've been working with... Um, uh, with him, actually, my brother in a lot of games, uh, which uh, later moved me into Soink Games, a studio in Gothenburg that I've been working with. Uh, lots. How did you kind of get that relationship? How did that relationship start with Zoink? Actually, it um, uh, it started with my brother working there. To be honest, <laughs> connections. <laughs> Connections. That's how it works, I suppose. But um, it was kind of a funny story because um, uh, they were looking for a composer for the Sticky to the Man, uh, and my brother told his boss that my younger brother makes some music. Maybe he can join him. And the boss was like, mm, "Great for him." Uh, I'm very skeptical about hiring somebody's baby brother to do the music but uh, i uh, i put together a quick uh, like demo of three tracks and got the job so i suppose it was somehow on my own merits and since then i've been uh, been there basically in lot this is the uh, fourth production i do with them that i'm working on currently you worked on um one of my favorite soundtracks I can never say Faye. Yeah, Faye. Faye. Um, beautiful. And as you know, I just recently got the vinyl, which I absolutely love. Um, how did you go? How do you go about the process of kind of creation, creating music for the different games? Do you find that there's a different process for each one, or and there's a different starting point? Mm. Um. I've kind of noticed now that I've been doing this for a while, I've started you know, see more patterns. I've been like diving into my process more deeply the last couple of years. And, uh, one of the like biggest things I've learned is to like allow myself to have a really slow start. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've been struggling a lot with like uh, writer's block and um, most of the games I've doing has been like more or less constantly a struggle to actually get through. Um, but I've started to like um, allow myself to be in these early stages a lot, where I like dwell uh, deeper into uh, like the, the core of the game of sorts. Um, try to talk to like different uh, parts of the team to understand their view on like what we're doing. 
what the game is really about and I'm both on like an, an, an like emotional philosophical narrative level but also like this and try to talk to like the designers to like understand more what the because the games are like so there's so many parts that comes together somehow and I need to figure out what my role in that as a composer is like where what's the function why are we having music in this game <laughs> what's the music supposed to add um, so and <clears throat> and I've had the luck to often be in projects where I've had the time to do that uh, and then slowly at the same time I, I start composing you sitting by the piano playing stuff um, without like a proper idea of actually getting anything that done it's just more a way of hanging out with the, with the project, sort of trying to wrap these ideas that I'm starting to get from these talks uh, into music. Uh, I've been, this last year, I've been starting to like uh, paint with watercolors a bit. Uh, that's a thing that I like know nothing about. I know that you take the brush and you dip it into paint or water first, then paint and then on the paper. That's like my level of experience. But it helps me a lot to like, especially on these days, you know, when you don't feel like working. Uh, yeah. uh, not least probably if you work with uh, like a creative uh, job, you go to every day and try to, there is a lot of days when I don't want to do this. Uh, but that's for me, it's been a great way to like stay uh, like in connection with like the project and try to like from a different, from a visual angle. angle. I used to like draw random stuff like from the project that I'm in won't show them to anyone ever. Uh, I can also write short stories from like how I understand a character's like dilemma or situation and try to in that way just like kind of half passively just be around the project try to uh, get on a like almost subconscious level understand it because then I I prefer my like the actual composition Compositioning to be be somewhat um, what do you call it uh, yeah. spontaneous not spontaneous but more like uh, like on instinct or on um, uh, uh, what's the word like the opposite of being really uh, planned and like now I'm going to write a song about this it's going to go like this so quite um, organic almost yeah organic and. Uh, intuitive i suppose mm -hmm. uh, but when you write for games you or like any other um like context like this you need a quite high level of precision you can't just like write some random music and hope it fits uh, uh, and that's that's where the issues come in and that's what i've been working on the last year and I actually I, I just graduated this last year i've been like working and studying at the same time for years but now i actually uh, have my bachelor's thank you uh, and my thesis we call it thesis on bachelor's level or whatever this big essay uh, was basically about how to um like develop or maintain a method of keeping uh, like authentic and emotional based music even in like commission circumstances like writing in context so mm -hmm. the idea is basically to to do these kinds of processes where i talk to people i like to hang out with the game or play the game as much as possible and as a way to like 
direct my subconscious so that when I just sit with by the piano and, and play, uh, things come up that do relate to the game somehow. Uh, so that's have been like my process. I've been working with another game now, which is covered in NDAs and stuff, so I can't say yeah. pretty much anything. It sucks, but uh, so I've had this really long period where I've, uh, I've, and it's also okay. This gets a bit messy, but I'll try to sort it out. Uh, like when working on games, it's rarely the case that you like get uh, a ready game. Like here's the game. Can you make music to this? Mm. Uh, because once the game is finished, they want to release it and get it out as fast as possible. So you you never have that kind of time. So you have to work with something that you don't actually know what it is mm -hmm. uh, until it's finished, and then it's too late. <laughs> so Do you find that um, the way that you create the music for the games that you've worked on has an impact on the way that the game is developed or the way that the story goes or um yeah i think so sometimes that depends a lot on like how the the process is with the uh, with the game i suppose and when you as a composer get into that process but in the case of ghost giant uh, the music was like really really early it was a few tracks that were like the main theme and another theme was there from the beginning really so from there, I think um, they always had had the music in mind when creating the game. So I think that affected like both the art style and also sort of like the general mood because they had that uh, to go to already. And do you find that um, sort of does that kind of worry you that you have that kind of impact, or are you kind of? You can go, okay, this is just how it is, and that's what I do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I I work a lot with uh, handling all kinds of worries, really. Um, I'm starting to gain confidence that I that I you know I've I've actually never properly failed at this, so I'm I'm starting to gain confidence that I I probably like wrote this one in as well, but. Like in the beginning of every project, it's like, oh my god, I can never do this. This is too big. This is something yeah. I've never done before. This is like, uh, but so, and there's also, you know, especially as like you start to charge proper money and stuff, there's a lot of like pressure to be felt uh, if you came to that. But I, I really try to just do my work, make my yeah. music, and it try to not like go. It, I, th I think a lot of composers I've spoken to almost have that like imposter syndrome thing going on. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, and anxiety around their work, and particularly when you know you're being recognised, so you're getting work that is progressively bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I mean, just from my own experiences, um, last year I went to Air Studios in London with Gareth Coker. To watch him record um, the score for Orion Will of the Wisps. And it was a beautiful mm. day. Um, it was really interesting for me to see how the process went and how how much the actual music that he went he originally wrote, you know, a few months ago, and on the day, how many changes that goes through. You know, mm. minor here and there with notes here and maybe a a, a, a longer wait between a note here and etc um were they recording with an orchestra or yes yeah yeah, yeah. Full, 
full orchestra. Um, he had the strings and brass and, you know, yeah. um, it was, it was beautiful. Um, but I, I do think that that kind of trying to find the word that kind of um because it's, it's so big i mean it's air studios one of the best studios yeah. you know that anybody knows yeah uh, to have that big orchestra yeah. uh, all your staff you know your team almost and it just you know gets bigger and bigger and then yeah. afterwards i mean it's been announced now so i can talk about it you know ndas and all that and stuff mm. uh, but we we left for the day and um, we we're going to the pub for uh, a couple of drinks, and he just he just mentioned that he was scoring the new Halo, you know, and I was like, like, that's just huge. I mean, you don't get any bigger than Halo, really, do you? No. So you can imagine. I can only imagine the kind of um, anxiety and kind of pressure that if I was in that position, I would put it. I put on myself, never mind from external factors like the studio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think. Sorry, you were. I was. I had a bad connection there for a bit. What did he say? Sorry. I can only imagine the kind of the, the kind of pressure that I would put on myself, mm. and the anxiety around that because it's so big. Um, never mind from you know external sources like the studio, kind of the pressures that they might. Or the kind of expectations that they might have and the kind of you know you they're giving you a time frame they're saying like okay well the game is out in may it is now february you need to be done recorded and you know finished mm. by april yeah so yeah i mean you have to work with that a lot and i think in many of these situations you have basically just have to fake it you know <laughs> I mean, if you are there in this big studio and you've been like handled this task, I mean, the only way is to just assume that you're capable of doing this and go ahead. Because if you start like doubting that in, in that kind of situation, you just won't work. And probably everybody feels like that for like, I don't know, it's starting to be a bit better for me, but it's still, um, yeah, that is, um, that is really something. Yeah, I mean, as you yeah. said, you've scored now seven games. Yep. So, yeah, <laughs> I think you've you kind of, in my mind, proved to yourself that you can do this and you are good at it. Yes, I mean, that is always so... I mean, I, yeah, you have like this crazy mind, you know, here somewhere that <clears throat> tells you all kind of stuff. Um, but I, I try to actually collect like nice things people say about me. Mm -hmm. um, I have this little folder at home where I print like fan emails that I get occasionally or positive tweets about me or whatever to, to remind me that there are actually people who appreciate what I do because it's so hard to take in. So hard to take in. Your, I mean, your score for me, my favorite piece of yours is, as you know, because I say it all the time to you about, is from Faye and it's Skogan. I just, there's something about that piece that really just lifts me every time I hear it. And it's, you know, I, it brought me to tears on occasion because it's so beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. I find like the, the, 
personally, I'm very similar to um, Joe in, from the flight. We get quite emotional around music. So there are certain pieces I listen to and they will put, you know, make me cry. And not in a bad way, just because it's such a beautiful piece. Mm. I always remember um, Jessica Curry, she sent me the soundtrack for Everybody's Gone to the Rapture, probably a good six weeks before the release of the game. Mm. And so I've not seen anything of the game really, uh, apart from a trailer. And I was listening to the, to the soundtrack, and it, it's probably my favorite soundtrack of all time now, because um, I listen to it all the time. And um, there were two pieces in it that made me cry. And then, you know, six, eight weeks later, I played the game. And it's really strange because in the game where those pieces of music were used, were really, really emotionally um, points of the narrative. They're really emotional points in the narrative and the story. Um, and again, that made me cry, not because, because the two together was just perfect, mm. you know? Mm. Um, really beautiful, really emotional. Um, and actually the game itself is again, probably one of my favorites, you know, I need to go back actually and play it again because- Yeah, it, I've only played it once and I don't think I actually listened to the soundtrack outside of the game. So I, I've got some something to experience here. Right? <laughs> it must be really nice for you um, and for anybody else that works as a composer in, in the video game industry to see um, your music come out on vinyl. You know, yeah. a ghost giant with that beautiful blue vinyl and Fay and you know, and people are buying it. You know, I've got them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I'm very grateful for that. But it must be nice for you to be able to see that that people are, you know, there is a demand there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's also like so. Uh, it's so like concrete when you can like when somebody posts like a video of my 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 music physically like spinning on a record in their place and and that's that spinning mechanics makes the sound it's so uh, it's it's a very like concrete way of realizing that my music is out there like literally um, which is uh, yeah it's a great um, and i think people wouldn't you know Put the time, effort, and money into creating the the records. If a it wasn't any good, or b you know um, it wouldn't there wasn't demand and it didn't see it yeah. sell, you know. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's really uh, yeah. I really like the this vinyl thing that's going on, and it's. Uh, I hope this uh, we made a small edition. I don't actually have access to the sales numbers or anything, but I hope it like sells out completely, so we get to make more like or Definitely. future soundtracks will be able to come it's out crazy though, like um video game ow <laughs> sorry she's peggy biting my peggy she's biting my toes sorry um but it's crazy like the video game vinyl kind of industry now um i'm on a, a facebook group and they're all it's really active and it's really crazy to see something gets announced 
and they're sold out like like that. Mm. You know, it's yeah. bonkers. You know, and then yeah. the, I mean, the cost of them is is one thing, but they're very like Lego in that they only go up in value. Mm, yeah, and yeah. like there are ones that you know that I bought that are worth like I bought the Okami box set on mm. on vinyl and it's beautiful. Mm. Um, and that was like 70 English pounds um, wow. and it's yeah. worth around 300 now yeah it's crazy yeah it is indeed crazy yeah. crazy. Um, I just remember because last time we talked uh, like when I was on Dark Tunes last time it was probably like three years ago or something uh, I remember you asked this uh, again about like game vinyl and stuff that was just after fear was released Mm -hmm. And I remember that we were like in the first process of making the fair vinyl back then, but I wasn't allowed to say anything. So I was like, yeah, that would be great, I think, if that would hypothetically happen. <laughs> and now we're here. <laughs> now we're here. Like three years later, it was a crazy long process. It was delayed a hundred times of different reasons, and there was like one pub, uh, like third-party kind of uh, game merch company that was supposed to do it first, but then they dropped out after like postponing it for like half a year. So, and then we need to figure out like how to ship these kind of things internationally. I can't like send vinyls in pizza boxes to Argentina. <laughs> it's crazy though because I've seen um, on numerous occasions um, where companies who do create the vinyls like I am 8-bit or you know whoever um, mm. they go through a process to to create that vine that soundtrack and um, I've seen it where people produce bootlegs mm -hmm. the companies who are going to bring out the actual official one decide not to do it because someone's just you know done it by mm. themselves I'm not a massive fan of the kind of bootleg industry. Um, I oh, like bootlegging the vinyl? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like, um, you know the Smashing Pumpkins? Yeah. The, the band, you know their album Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness? Mm, yeah, maybe. One from a long time ago, the, like the, the cover is like a big star and it's like, it's beautiful artwork. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, someone created a Metroid vinyl uh, and they base it kind of like on real albums like there's one for um, Mario that's like based on um, oh god what's his name I can see him Johnny died a few years ago oh I can't remember but there's like yeah they're, they're all, all these I'll, I'll send you some um, examples but yeah, people like the companies then see these being released and they kind of go, well, we've spent, you know, two years trying to do this and get it out officially, but now we we can't now mm. because this is out in the wild. So they kind of ruin it for themselves almost. Yeah. But, which yeah. Is yeah. yeah, it really is. And it's, it is quite expensive to produce vinyls. Mm. I mean, you have to you have to charge that kind of amount to even go around. I mean, we made a small edition of 200 copies. And even if we sell all of them, I'm not sure they even go, you know, go even out on that. So it is, uh, it's not easy even without uh, bootlegs being out there, of course. So 
Um, so what's kind of next for you? I know obviously you can't speak about certain things, but you know, NDAs, I love those letters, NDNA. <laughs> it's actually the first time I actually have uh, like written on NDA or like signed on NDA. Non-disclosure agreement, yeah. Uh, otherwise it's just been like more don't tell anyone basis, but this is like proper juridical stuff. But I'm, uh, so I'm working with this game for a company uh, with a publisher. I think we, it is going to be announced pretty soon. Cool. Do so. you find that you, when you're doing, like for example, when you scored Ghost Giant, do you find mm -hmm. the way that you scored that was different from when you scored with Faye? Obviously you talked about, you kind of talk with the team, you kind of do drawings, you do all that. Is that the same that you did for both of those? Ghost Giants was different because there was um, I had my like band with me there, oh. uh, Um It was it was um, the process also was more like when they first showed me the like prototype of Ghost Giant, which was like really early. It was why we were still working with Fade back in two thousand seventeen, maybe or something like that, or sixteen. Um, I showed them like uh, a couple of our songs, and I was like, maybe we could use this for the game. And then they really liked that. So uh, then I continued to working with that kind of stuff uh, throughout the game. So the, diff the main difference was that I was really early. We, we set like the, the tone somehow, like before the game was even actually in proper development, we had a good idea of what the music would be for it. Such uh, a little game as well. Um, I, I was playing through it. Um, go shine. Yeah. yeah, Ghost Ghost Giant, yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, my PlayStation died, so I've lost all my saves, so I have to start it again. No. Did you <laughs> yeah. play through the whole thing? Hmm? Did you get through the, the whole game before it crashed? No, I got to a point where I had to, weirdly, I had to um, throw a basketball at a vehicle, I think, to move it. Um, Yeah, you should definitely play the whole game. It's oh, absolutely. definitely. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not that long either. No, and so it's, it's actually probably the game that I've been working on that I'm like the most proud of. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's I mean the I've had like several like men in their forties uh, crying over story moments in that game. Yeah, uh, which is like a really. Uh, a, like a solid approval of because mm -hmm. uh, it's it's very like emotionally based that game uh, mm. and it's got a really really nice uh, narrative it's the first time we're working with the, uh, it's so uh, it's like big acclaimed swedish writer who's been working the story uh, and um yeah it's um it's been like really impactful and i've seen like some comments on youtube of people It's difficult to like go into details without spoiling the game, uh, but like it's it's had some actual like impact on people's life and. Um, All I've ever seen is positive things being said about it. Really, really. Yeah, it's been crazy positive like response, and I mean um, since it's a VR game, it's kind of limited to a like a smaller audience, but. Uh, Maybe that makes it a little bit more special. Yeah, I think so. I think I think this game is really special because it is VR. It really like immerses you into the story even more 
and it's probably even easier to like reach out to these like emotional connections with uh, the players. And it's really cleverly done, really cleverly done from what I played. Yeah, that's beautiful as well. Really beautiful. Oh, are you? I think we've got a slight technical issue. There we go. We'll, we had a, a technical issue just briefly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and it's such a beautiful game. Well, thank you a lot. Really is. So I'm really excited to um, play it again soon. Um, I'm working my way through. I'm, I'm being quite um, strict with myself. So I'll mm -hmm. play something and only play that until I finish it and then move on. You know, I'm mm. trying to get through my, as I call it, my digital pile of shame. <laughs> <laughs> so I've managed to finish a couple of games in the last few weeks. I've just started another one. I started my first um, VR game yesterday. And I don't okay. know why I picked this one, because um, it's got, it's Farpoint, and it's got, um, I'm really, really, really terrified of spiders. Mm-hmm. And it has giant spiders. It has spiders that jump at you in your face in VR. So mm, yeah, I can what? imagine. But that's brave of you. That's probably like a great way of handling that <laughs> VR <laughs> therapy. If you had to see me yesterday screaming on the sofa with my with my headset on, <laughs> I can imagine. But do you have? Is it a PlayStation VR or? Yes. Yes. Because I, I just realized that you can get those. They're like, uh, not, not like, my, that was the quest I was looking at. I think that it's not like that expensive. I always thought that it's like completely yeah. out of reach, but it's not that bad actually. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I, mostly, I, I'm mostly afraid that I, if I get one, I like, I'll get so stuck because it's like so strong, you know, the kind of like immersion level and the, like the, the, I do like okay. have this as I've, like everybody got some kind of need of escapism or like running away from the real world and but mm. but VR is like so powerful mm. I'm kind of afraid that I'll get stuck. It's always like that when I after a lot of doubt I got Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, but all these kinds of game and also Breath of the Wild and these kinds of games that you can just like pour hours and hours and hours into. Um I don't really want to to spend that much hours in these games, but they're they're so comfortable to like be in. And I like to kind of dip in and out of is oh, wipeout. Yeah. What was it? Sorry, is wipeout in VR? Okay, cool. uh, that is crazy. You know, mm -hmm. um, I've I've made my friends play it when they come round. Um, yeah, they used to, and um, they couldn't last more than a couple of more a couple of minutes. Because it's like up, down, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can move your head around and see everything and look behind you. And yeah, yeah. don't you get like crazy, nos, nauseous? Weirdly, I don't, but my friends were like, yeah. can't play. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've only play, I played, I uh, played like another really early VR like experience where you move like really, really slow on like a roller coaster thing with a, like a narrative voice saying, and that was. That worked really well and was turning really slowly and going up and down and 
but it was so weird when you started like it was a steep uphill and you can see that okay i'm going like soon i'm going uphill mm. and then it starts and the body says no you're not and the eye says yes you are and the brain just doesn't solve that <laughs> you know it's just it's it's both it's both uphill and flat mm. <laughs> and in the end of the experience there was this like just brief brief part of like maybe five seconds where it got like really really fast Ooh, and then flew out a hole in the sky and just so, and that was just for a few seconds and you're like wow <laughs> it's so weird i have one final question for you okay um is there any um current uh, or older um game soundtrack or composer that you just go wow I know it's a different question. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I'm I'm like searching my mind for a more mm. interesting answer, but I think I'll I'll have to go with Austin Wintry. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of felt like he he had like enough of recognition now. Can't we talk about somebody else? But it is amazing. I mean, I'm, I I replayed Journey for a while back and. He's been doing so many games and the level is like always really, really high. You can always tell from like a few seconds that it's like his voice and and he's got like both he's got so much like um work. a little workmanship thing with like orchestration and like this classic composer skills, but also like this uh, on an emotional level. Like I played Luna for a while back, mm -hmm. the VR game. Uh, but I played it without VR. That is like the opposite of that. It's like very, very personal, scaled down. It's just solo piano, basically. And so I am still really impressed by him. Yeah. I, I, I try not to be, but he, he's always there. And I listen to uh, the soundtrack of uh, Absu, I think it's really great as well. And it's a beautiful game, actually. But yeah, he's, he's always, always, always so busy. You know, he never. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I've looked through his webpage on like the games he's been releasing, and it's like a couple, three or four or five games every year. And then um, he also does like a podcast and yeah, crazy. I don't know. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm I'm, all, I'm almost certain he doesn't actually sleep. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's probably how it he was. Yeah, and then he's been like touring and stuff, playing piano at the concerts. I um, I have no idea how he's doing it. Crazy. Well, Joel, um, I just want to say thank you. We've come to the end of the interview. Um, huge thank you for coming on the show again. It's been lovely and very different this time. Yeah. Yeah. Really. It's really I, fun. I'm not even able to talk about what I'm actually working on on an everyday basis. Hopefully we can chat about that sometime in the Definitely. near future. Definitely soon. So uh, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I think I'm allowed to say that. Cool. Um, so if you want to, if anybody wants to reach out to either myself or Joel, um, you can reach me on Twitter at Evil New, and Joel is Joel, Joel B-U-L-L-E. Yeah, it's an old typo that stuck. <laughs> no worries. So again, thank you, and uh, we will see you hopefully again soon. Yeah, thank you for this. Very nice to be here. Pleasure. <laughs>